בכל רמה. מרגישים קיץ באוויר. כבר עשרים שנה. שידור ישיר כל הקיץ ב-102.3 FM וכל השנה בכל רמה נקודה US ובאפליקציות הרדיו והפודקאסטים. כל רמה 102.3 FM. שלום! And welcome to a very, very special edition of Parsha Talk, live from Machane Ramah in the Berkshire. Here we are, the three of us, the three Parsha talking rabbis. I'm Rabbi Elliot Malamut, Highland Park, New Jersey, Highland Park Conservative Temple Congregation. Joining me are my good friends, Rabbi Jeremy Kalmanovsky, Anshay Chesed, Rabbi Barry Chesler, Solomon Schechter, Day School of Long Island. First, you know, we should start off and say, how does it feel to be here? It feels totally awesome, although Parsha Talk was born outside that window there in the Sifriya, in the library, uh, and we used to do this talk every week for many years here at camp, and then we stopped coming to camp, but then when COVID began, as all of our loyal listeners will remember, we began doing this electronically, and we've done it ever since. We've always talked about the special opportunity to come back to where it all began, to discuss the Holy Torah. Barry, and I, I thought it all began at a 5,000 watt station in Fresno, California. <laughs> it feels great to be back That's here. That's a joke for but Mary Tyler Moore, in case anybody has ever, anybody ever seen Mary Tyler Moore? No, no. zero? <laughs> it was a great TV some show. Some of our yeah. listeners have, and some of our loyal viewers and listeners have seen Mary Tyler Moore, and we want to thank them for joining us on this, <laughs> this part, because we, we, we now can claim that we are the best Parsha show in Dutchess County, New York. We always have been. We always and, have and, been. And now we're finally back again in Dutchess County. This is the first time we're back together, the three of us, since 2020. 20, 2019. No, well, we were at Didi's wedding. Well, okay. You're in my son's hey. wedding, we're all a, together. Doing but. a Parsha talk. Yeah. 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 This is our first in-person Parsha talk since, wow. since back then. I tell you something, walking through uh, the gates and, and signing up and getting in, you know, it almost felt like we never, we never left. You know, uh, one of the things that's true, It totally feels like we never left, and everything's exactly the same, except one of the differences is that the kids are all the same, except I don't recognize any the, of them. That's right. You know, just, it's, it, everybody dresses the same. Dresses the, the same. same <laughs> you but, p- but they've just been... And they skip the same pulo. That's <laughs> <laughs> just great. Okay. Well, speaking of looking back, I think that's a good way to, to, to set up our Parsha here, because what is this Parsha if not uh, about looking back? And... and um, So, Elad Varim Asher Diber Moshe, these are the things that Moses said. We've talked about, you know, Moses not being Isht Varim, not being a man of words, okay? And he, he takes us back. Now, here's my question. We haven't, we haven't had any pre-discussion about this, but um, it's, uh, he, he talks about, he locates himself, In the Jordan, in the wilderness, in the Aravah, said the Rebbe Tzi, between Paran and Tofel, Laban and Chatseron and Dizahav. Eleven days journey from Chorev by the way of Mount Seir. To Kadesh. To Kadesh. Okay. Everyone forgets that part. And then, skip down to verse 6. Adonai Eloheinu diber eleinu b'chorev. The Lord, our God, spoke to us in Chorev, saying, you have rav lachem sheve barzeh. So I want to start with that verse. I want to start and ask, you know, Moses... 
this is this is his last speech or one of it's it's going to be it's a it's, long it's, one. It's, <laughs> it's actually the first of his last speeches. speeches. I always think that you know he's got people in the in the in the pe- in the in the pews going. Come it's Kiddish time. Kiddish. When do we have yeah, Kiddish? Yeah, yeah. So he's and he comes back and he says, "I'm going to die out there." <laughs> so. The question I have for you is, of all the things that he could choose to talk about, of all the things that he could start off, so he says, Adonai Eloheinu diber Eloheinu bechorev. So he, he's locating, he's starting the speech off by locating the ground zero at chorev, as opposed to, let's say... Taking the slaves out of Egypt. As opposed to going, you know, leave. I said, I have a long story to tell you. I left for Midian. I have a long story to tell you. I, you remember the first plague. You remember the second. So he doesn't, he doesn't do anything. So I want you to kind of off the top of your head reflect on starting at that point. So I actually was thinking about this yesterday when I was trying to do a little review in, in anticipation of this August moment. And it's a July moment. <laughs> it's pretty how hot. quickly it's we hot. forget. But the Rav Lachem is a appointed criticism of the people because he's telling them you've been here too long. They had no inclination to leave. They were happy where they were in Kadesh Barnea and they would have stayed they would still be there. Right to borrow the motif from the Haggadah where if we had not been redeemed in Egypt then we would still be slaves. If God had not told the people Ravlachem Lashavet Po we would still be sitting in Kadesh Barnea. So? I mean, come on. That, that, I mean, yes, I think, well, the interesting thing, I think, related to the first verse, is the rabbis also understand it as a criticism of the people, that all the places that we've never heard of are actually subtle allusions to all the things that the people have done wrong, including the Egel Azahav and Baal Pa'or, the two great sins that bookend the wilderness experience. I, I, would, I want to reinforce what Barry said, but from a slightly different angle. To say that the central thing, the most important thing that happened was Chorev, yeah. is to say that the most important thing that you have is that you have received a divine mission about how to live. You've received Torah. So, you know, we can think of, one way to think of the membership in a religious nation is the most important things that have happened to us. Liberation from slavery or the encounter with Amalek or, you know, a number of uh, events. But events of the past you know, they, they have normative force for the future only in a, a kind of uh, 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 attenuated way. But the Torah is all about the future. So I'm going to differ a little bit to think that the main thing here is the reflection on the past. Y- yes, it is a reflection on the past. But the context is, now is time. You have this long journey, and now is the time to enter the land and to build the society that we dreamed about. So I'm going to take a little more, more a romantic view of this, which is that... that you know, being at Chorev was was along the lines of what Jeremy said. It's the it's the moment of bond, the moment of covenant, the moment of revelation. And you know, there is a tendency among people who've had their revelations to want to stay there. You want to stay. You want to stay in the place. You want to stay in the clouds. You want to stay in the clouds. You want to stay in the place where God has spoken to you. And basically, what God is saying is enough. Rav Lachem or God said. It's enough. You right. Can't, you can't stay here all the time. But here then we have to recall what's actually happening because the people that God said Rablachem are the parents of the people that he's talking to now. Okay. These people are ready. Okay. Their parents were not ready, but now you're here on the east side of the Jordan and these words are going to take you across the river. Okay, so let's go to the next verse because the next verse is, is it's like 
it's telling us to move on. So it's saying, move on from this topic and move <laughs> on from this verse. Penu, turn, usu, travel, lachem, uvo haramori. So turn and take your journey and go to the Mount of the Amorites, to all the places near there, to the Arava, the hills, etc., etc., etc. It's from Har Sinai, from Chorev, he's saying, now it's time to go into the land. And so what we have here in this encapsulation is a moment where the two, one of the, the two pillars of, of Jewish peoplehood are, are reflected, one of which is Torah at Sinai, and the other is the land, okay? And so if you, if you think back to what B'nai Israel and what Moshe is thinking about, it's, yeah, we've got, we've got the Torah, we've got the Ten Commandments, we've got the covenant, and let's make our way into the land. You've got to go into the land. It's time, it's time to go and inherit the land. And then we get this, you know, this um, a kind of crisis. Moses says, I can't do it alone. God, God made you big. God made you great, right? It may make you great. And then verse 12, and do you read this in Echa trope or do we? I, I, I don't, I'm not good about the trope. So, thing, okay. But. So Echa. He does it in Echa trope, but no one notices. No one notices. <laughs> <laughs> so we have the connection here between Echa and Echa. Echa, the book of Lamentations, it's probably a coincidence, maybe, notwithstanding. Echa is how am I going to, how am I going to carry you by myself? Now these three words, Tarchachem, Umasachem Berivachem. Your burden, your your Tircha. trouble, your burden, and your fighting. Can I tell you something? If 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 I was sitting in the audience, okay, and listening to Moses say this, I I I think I'd be angry. I think like, come on, give me a break. But but he he's so he's so um you know, descriptive of their of their stuff of their lousiness. Yeah. Well, you, we as I mean, maybe there's a maybe there's a little bit of black humor here. We Jews have a we, we Jews love to say you know uh, we love to have a little laugh at our own expense about what difficult people we are or how how difficult it is to work for the Jews. I mean. I don't know, Rabbi Malamed, are you, you a synagogue rabbi? I'm a synagogue can, rabbi. Can, can, can you have, have you ever felt like, oh my God, how can I bear the burden of these people? They, they, they fight all the time. I want to tell all my congregants who are watching this that they're wonderful, <laughs> they're beautiful, they're amazing, they're, they're the, the most special people in the world, okay? I'm looking right at you. They're, you're terrific. Notwithstanding, that's how Moshe feels about B'nai Israel, and yet he has to complain about them. I, I, I think that I think there's a, 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 at least potentially readable as a bit of humor because we all know that it's not easy to work for the Jews. I'm not sure I see it that, at, at all. I don't see it as humorous at all. I think I think here I'm, I'm, this year as I'm reading the Torah, I'm trying to read it for the first time again, fresh eyes. I'm going like Moshe is a bit of a. A downer? It's a bit of a downer. A complainer? He's a, he, Moshe is not your favorite guy. Yeah, I, I can't see it that way. <laughs> I can't see it that way. But I do think that the ringing of the word Echa is really, you know, our listeners will know that, that this is the week of Tisha B'Av. This is the week, and we read the Haftarah um, uh, from Isaiah, the first chapter of Isaiah, in which he says, how is it with that same word that the city of righteousness has become a den of murderers? We have aspired, we have a history of nobility, 
And we sometimes fall to pieces, and we sometimes fall very, very short of the attainments, the spiritual attainments. And of course, that same word is the first word of the Book of Lamentations, which we read on Tisha B'Av to, uh, to mark the, the destruction of ancient Jerusalem. So it's got, it's got a powerful, resonant groan of suffering. And listen, I, I love this religion. I find it joyful to be a Jew. And with the long history of Am Yisrael, we should also devote some attention, some seriousness to the way in which we have just, you know, we've had some suffering. So I, I like that expression, joyful to be a Jew. It would make a great t-shirt for our next Parsha Talk t-shirt. But I want to come back to the verse about uh, Moses complaining about the burdens of the people. Another way to read it is that he responds to that once he notices how large the people have become. And that harkens back to the breed and sheet, the covenant that God made with the ancestors, which was a twofold covenant. He promised numerous progeny and that they would inherit the land. So Moses has said, I see now God has fulfilled the first part of this. You are a numerous people, and this will be echoed later in the prophet Hosea. But he's also saying that now it's time to take the land, and I realize I'm not the man to lead you there. He doesn't say that exactly. He doesn't have to say it exactly, because I think this is where a rabbinic reading between the lines can be very helpful. Uh -huh. Nothing is said explicitly, a lot of it is just intimated and it leads to different colorations and we respond to it differently at different times in our lives and also in different historical moments as well. Interesting. Okay, so in the next verse he says, Get for yourselves wise, understanding men known among your tribes. You do English like machers. Get the real important people in your, th in your, in your tribes. And how do they respond? No, Tova Davar Shadibartala said, well done, nice, nice, because everybody thinks they're gonna be chosen, right? So what's important to realize is here there are no names. Okay. And elsewhere in Bamidbar, it's all about the names. Ah, both for good and for bad, the right? The list, spies, list the people that are gonna count the people. But here, everyone is anonymous okay. because what we're talking about is a corporate identity, is that what's important now is the nation as a nation, not necessarily a nation as individuals. So he, he issues them instructions, and then if you take a look at verse 17, it's, You shall not respect persons in judgment, but you shall hear the small as well as the great. So already he's, he's appointing them as judges, which, which tells us here are people that have no experience. They have no experience judging other people, okay? So is there something implicit in, in the, our understanding of humanity in this, that human beings, good human beings, have a capacity to distinguish between good and evil. But good human beings also have the propensity to favor one over the other. It, it's not uncommon for, like if you, you know, if, if your brother comes before you and has a claim and someone else has a claim against them, your, your natural disposition is to, is to side with someone that, you're, that you have a relationship with. Well, this goes back to what I alluded to before. If the key thing is that at Sinai you receive Torah, uh, you now have to put it into practice. Of course what you're saying is correct, and that's why we have, for example, as is, as is well known, we have lots of rules in Judaism about who 
is disqualified as a judge or a witness. If they are related to the parties, they are disqualified on the face of it, um, as, as the Tractate Sanhedrin will say. Um, the Yetzer Hara is to let your human instincts for getting ahead or favoring your, your friends and loved ones or whatever, uh, that's the Yetzer Hara that is a potential downfall of a system of justice. So Moshe says to them, as you said, don't recognize, when in judgment, don't you know, show favor to anybody. The most prominent, the least prominent. Uh, don't be afraid of people. You're going to have to be. You're going to have to have a certain amount of boldness to do the right thing, and not the easy thing just to get along. So, what I would add to what you said, Jeremy, is that this is the creation of a political community, and the 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 essential part of a political community is is the administration of justice. There cannot be a society without conflict, and the conflict has to be addressed. And the way that we do that is through judges. You know, we, this, this is perhaps very relevant in American life because we, we do have a significant number of people who think that there is at least one person who really is above the law. And, and that's, you know, that's, that is the downfall of a, of a political system. Right. So, so that everybody is equal before the law is what you're saying. Have to be. That is, that, the, that is the, I would say that that is the religious meaning of democracy, and that's important conversation in the United States, important conversation in Israel right now, is democracy simply, you know, the, the system by which we, we choose the dictators and whoever gets 51% of the vote gets to be the dictator, or is democracy a prima facie assertion that every human being is equal, must be respected, even when they are in the minority, and even when they take unpopular views? Uh, obviously, the latter one is correct, that your human dignity comes by, by virtue of being B'Tselem Elohim in the image of God, and a democracy is a system which says that everybody's uh, participation is of equal value, even when you get outvoted, and so the majority cannot trample the mi minority simply because they won the election. Okay. Here we could put in the plug for Aristotle, who believed that politics was the highest pursuit of human beings. And I think that it's something that we need to pay more attention to, that politics is not supposed to be something dirty. It's something that's necessary. There are bad parts to it, but the bad parts are not the raison d'etre for politics. Politics is people deciding how they're going to live together, what the rules are going to be and how we're going to follow them, and what's going to happen when people don't follow them. And nothing could be more noble than that. Interesting. All right, except for prophecy. Prophecy is more noble than politics. And, and with your permission, I'd like to, I'd like to shift to, I'd like to, shift to the, uh, the Haftarah, which you can find on page 259 in your Chumashim here. <laughs> so so uh, this week is called, <laughs> this week is called Shabbat Chazon because of the first ver word in the, in the Haftarah, Chazon Yishayahu. This is chapter one of Isaiah. So it, it leads up to Tisha B'Av because it, it's um, a, a really searing statement of rebuke. Okay, in the vision of Isaiah, da -da -da, Shimu Shamayim it's, it's sung in the chant of Echa. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. Ki uh, Adonai God has spoken. 
Banim gidalti veromamti vehem pashudi. Give it to us the right way. Banim gidalti veromamti vehem pashudi. Yada shor konegu vechamor evus balav. Yisrael lo yada ami lo yitponet. So I ask you a different question. Not the content, but Isaiah the man, okay? And, and he's up. Imagine, imagine this. You're, you're somewhere in the in Jerusalem, in the town square, and he's up there, let's say, in the Jewish quarter of the old city. Okay, he's up, he's in a square, and he gets up and he says, Banim gidalti veromamti, veheim pashuvi. My children, you know, I've, I've, I'm speaking in the name of the God. I've raised children, and they have rebelled against me. And you would say, ah. there it goes. No, but, okay, so... First of all, if Isaiah was blessed with the divine basso profundo of Elliot Mallory, <laughs> then I think then everyone would listen. But I think that one of the reasons that Isaiah, I don't, I don't know about Jeremiah, if anybody listened to Jeremiah, because he's such a ferocious downer. And in fact, the book of Jeremiah is key because they didn't listen to him, right? In Jeremiah, the things are called a Jeremiad because he yells and screams. And people don't don't heed, and he's a kind of a failed prophet. Isaiah, the great thing about Isaiah, and it's true even in this first chapter, which is negative, largely negative, is that Isaiah is full of consolation, which is to say, you are on the wrong path, and yet it is always still possible to turn around. And that is just incredibly uh, important, even in the book of Echa itself, which I want to just, you know, throw throw one of my favorite lines. Uh, we know that from the Amidah as well. The, the, the divine mercies, strained though they are, are not ended. They're not over. God's mercies are not spent. They are brand new every morning because your faithfulness, God, is so great. And that's also part of our liturgy in the Moda'ani, you know, Rabbi Munatecha. A religious vision can be very harsh, it can be very difficult, it can be honestly negative, and it always has to show you a path towards an affirmative, normative way you want to aspire to live. Interesting. So uh, your, your comments remind me of a, uh, an issue that has to do with the prophets. And you know, it's a question, this question that the Torah asks, later books of the Bible, who is a prophet? And I think the one thing we can conclude the way you recognize a prophet is he's the guy with no friends. Because who could listen to this? But here what we have is a vision of Isaiah, and it's not clear how he actually addressed this to the people. So he may not have gotten up in the square in Eliot's voice, which I guess a prophet could borrow at will. But you know, this is something that happened to him at night, presumably, or perhaps in the afternoon. Um, a daydream kind of thing. And then he's reporting it in pieces, I think, to people that are close to him who are more sensitive to his message than perhaps Amcha, the people are. Okay. Let, let me, I want to I focus on one we got, verse We've got to wind up soon because okay. i got to go. Okay, so, so okay. Let me, let me look at verse 18 in this and, and just, we'll do a little theology for a second. Okay, where, where Isaiah is saying, verse 18, Lechuna v'nivachecha yomar Adonai. So they translated here, come now and let us reason together, said the Lord. This will stop in that, 
little pencil. Isn't that interesting? What a, what a, what a delightful phrase. And what, what kind of theology, what kind of theology is it in which God is saying, come on, let, let's, let's talk to each other. Yeah, let's, let's, let's sit down. You, you bring the schnapps. And, uh, well, I, w I would say that, and this is, I mean, I've, in our conversations, I've said this many times, the quote of Gemara and Baba Batra, Chacham Adif Minavi, a sage is better than a prophet. And the reason is that sages ultimately don't say, listen, I happen to know this. Prophets say, I know this because God told me. And you just should listen to me because I'm speaking to God. In fact, rabbinic Judaism is this verse, even though this, this comes from a prophet, yeah. which is, let's discuss this. Let us argue together and we will illuminate each other and we've got something to say. And so Hashem is portrayed in Isaiah not necessarily in Jeremiah, you know, the, what we read in the last half of Jeremiah is, I am coming to destroy you now. Um, whereas this one says, I want to explain something to you and give you, this is exactly what I said, though your sins be red as scarlet, they can become white as wool again. You have a path towards the way you actually want to live, not the, the wrong way that you're getting caught in. And it's a path that he reminds us a few verses above that we've been on before, right? Because he's going to restore the judges of yore, and Zion is going to be redeemed through justice. So that it's not something that's beyond the people, it's something that they've had and they've lost and they can reclaim. By the way, anybody, when, when you read the Tanakh, Open up to, I mean, not any page. You can't open up Tsefania or, or Ovadia necessarily. You can't this, even but, find them. But, but <laughs> you always are surprised at how much of the liturgy, like every page you open from the Tanakh, some liturgy pops off. Ashiva Shoftayach Kivari Shonavi Yoatzayach Kivatchila, you know, finds its, its paraphrase in the Amidah. But not Echa Haitalezona. No, that's no. that's found in uh, in um, in Ayudim Bay. That was found in Amsterdam no, in the red light wanna, district. I wanted to say one more thing about that. Nivachecha. They translate it as reason, but let's argue it out. Argue it out. Tochecha. Or prove. Or prove. And tochecha is is a loving argument. Prove or reprove. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like like it's it's. I, I can demonstrate this to you. All right, Jeremy. I'm t I'm I'm going to throw you the lob here to verse twenty seven, the last verse. Oh, it's the lob. It is the lob oh because it is the, it is the, and, and. Quoted uh, for us. Carlos Alcaraz jams this right past Novak Djokovic. The, this, this whole first chapter of Isaiah, I, the Yishayahu says, you have turned the wrong way. You, the city which was full of righteousness is now full of, of, of murderers. Restore our judges old. And the Sion b'mishpat bitzdaka. Zion will be redeemed in justice and those who return to it through righteousness. That is the last phrase that I added to my rewritten prayer for the prayer for Medinat Yisrael. It's not enough to survive. It's not enough just to exist. Existing is the prerequisite. It's not the goal. Is it, existing is the floor. It's not the ceiling. The ceiling is this. Tzion b'mishpat tipadeh. Our, 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 our nation will be worth saving because of its connection to Mishpat and Staka. So I know, I know we, have to, we have to wrap it up now because uh, of the time. And, but, um, you know, this verse I, I has deep resonance. I, I think uh, not only because, it, you know, you, you, you chose it to, to... It's really the capstone verse in the, in the version of prayer uh, for the State of Israel that, that you uh, wrote. But I think it, it resonates so deeply with us. Look, we are, we, are, we are recording this on a day, the day after you know, a real difficult day in Israel. 
lots and lots of turmoil, lots and lots of anger, lots and lots of protest. The country is really, you know, um, thank God it's, it hasn't been violent, but we, we always feel like it's at the precipice of violence and it hasn't been like violence in terms of the spilling of blood. Plenty of people have been bashed up here. But um, this is a vision, the vi you know, we, we have as a people the, the, the treasure of going back in order to go forward. We go back to Isaiah on a, on a week like this and we look at a verse like this and we go like, that speaks to us even today. Back, go back to go forward is, is that's just such a wonderful summary of what it means to have a 4,000 year old tradition and believe it can still be meaningful in the future. So we're coming up to Tisha B'Av in another week, uh, the great day of destruction. And one of the things that's important about Tisha B'Av is that the next day is the 10th of Av when redemption begins anew. Yeah, very, very, very well said. And so having concluded this live Parsha talk in front of a live studio audience here, <laughs> we're grateful. We thank you for, for joining us. Tov lanu b'machane ramah. Libi ramah. So we say Chodesh Tov today on Rosh Chodesh, Chodesh Av. And Shabbat Shalom. And Shabbat we'll see you Shalom. next week on the next edition of Parsha Talk. Thanks so much for watching. Kol Rama. Margishim Kaitz Ba'avir. Kvar 20 Shana.